Gaming on the Frontier. This is Bruce. This is Trav. And this is Jonathan. Welcome to Gaming on the Frontier, your podcast of asking the question of is one the loneliest number? That you'll ever know. It's even worse than two. All right. (laughs) (laughs) I still Uh, wanted to do the 789 joke, but... <laughs> uh, welcome to Gaming on the Frontier. This week we are talking about universal game systems. Uh, and, and should there be any? And is there any? This is where the problem is, okay? How do you create a universal system when some people want to play regular Joes, but there are no threats in the game that a regular Joe can handle? Okay, or you have people that want to play godlike characters, okay, and the system breaks down at that point, which the Tritech system did. Because if you looked at the bonuses that some of the monsters had, it was not that hard to get into situations where people had over a 20 to hit and over a 20 on the dodge. So it came down to who rolls the one first. As to who gets a hit in, not even killing, just a hit. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, there were a lot of rule systems that broke down when you started checking the, uh, the the outside cases, and you know, a couple of them that just made me want to roll my eyes because I didn't want to play that game. All right, when they started talking about the epic level play for third uh, edition D and D. And someone said, yeah, you know, I want a character who's going to be able to swim up a waterfall. Yeah. And I just said, I can't even imagine that. That's a loony. This, we're, are we playing um, uh, the Looney Tune game, uh, uh, Tune? Are we playing Tune here? Because this doesn't sound like epic, fa- it doesn't sound like epic fantasy. It just it's, we're talking about the levels of mythology now where we're right. playing Saint mythological Seiya. heroes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Hercules diverting a river and through the stables and cleaning them out in a day. Okay. But nobody thinks he went over and just reached across the river and picked it up like a, you know, like the river itself yeah. was cohesive. Okay. And then threw it over to the right. I mean, Everyone who actually sits down and imagines it realizes he, like, knocked boulders down off of a hillside and diverted a river. I mean, that makes sense to your mind, even... Well, even then, that's the concept of verisimilitude. Yeah, we can... Yeah. Well, I I don't want to go that far, because verisimilitude is is a really hard thing to do because of these fantasy elements. But I'm just saying is that sometimes... When you say I'm doing this, it gets so weird. You know, I, I really, really liked uh, Star Trek, but the thing I hated the most about Next Gen was yeah. Q. 
because Q would just snap his fingers and yeah. reality would change. And I'm like, I'm, I thought I was watching a science fiction show. And I, it, it made me hate certain aspects of that particular show because of that. And, uh, and I, I really, you know, haven't, let's say, if you, if you want to play a game like that, then it's like I say, you, you know, it, it, that's where you come down to. I make my, um, I, I make my miracle roll versus your miracle roll. Uh, how many degrees of, of success did I get above yours? Therefore, my miracle role is going to succeed. Now we have to narrate yeah. how that actually worked out, or the GM has to do that, you know? Because who can possibly render that, you know, fairly to the, the, the players? Because, of course, in their minds, you know, they've already, you know, dealt the death blow to their opponent, and now they're finding out that it didn't happen that way because there's a mechanic that gets in the way. Well, it. it- yeah, it, it kind of like was when I, I told you guys I try I turned a campaign to a Saint Seiya campaign, found the ways to try to mimic that level of power and all that. And just, yeah, they are, for lack of a better term, mythological beings, and you just have such a high epic level of power. And, and you're referring to Dragon Ball Z. No, Saint Seiya, the, the, the Knights of the Zodiac anime. Where they are mythological. Oh, okay. I th- I thought you were saying um, Super Saiyans. <laughs> no, no, Saint Saya, which around the world is known as. Okay, see, I, I I myself am not familiar with that anime, so yeah. Yeah, you know, oh, Dragon Ball would oh. be about the same level. I mean, yeah, yeah, levels of God have they reached by this point? Yeah, gods of gods of gods, and you have. The, the bronze, silver, and gold knights, and even the bronze knights, who are the newbies, the 12, they're just already, you know, you got one guy who can kick and kick a waterfall and he reverses the flow, and another guy who hits with 100 fists in a second, that would be the main character, Saya. And then they're having to fight, and the magnitude between bronze, silver, and gold is just stupid. It's like, the bronze can do speed of sound, and I think silver somewhere in between and the gold saints they move at speed of light they might as well be the greek gods or whatever just because you have that vast level of power that normal humans or even you know some superheroes wouldn't be able to compete with and just it was cute but yeah trying to make that yeah this is why they have seminars at conventions where they they say okay here's your favorite anime and they did this. Is there still a planet left, really? <laughs> Not what happened in the anime, but assuming they did what they said they did, would there still be a planet left? <laughs> and there's a couple of times when there wasn't a planet left. Now I'm reminded of the webpage that's out there. About what really would have happened to Endor when that second Death Star exploded? It would have been ecological devastation. But no, we don't mind that. Everybody celebrating, dancing in the forest afterward. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's right. Oh, I read that. That's right. End, Endor Apocalypse. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I just read that, and it was like in the 90s. So, I mean, that movie came out in 83. So it was still seven years, and I'm just... You know, like wanting to just, you know, get my feet up on the chair and hug my knees and just, oh, God, no. And then I realized, no, wait a minute. Really, that's what would have happened. Endor would be an ecological wasteland. They would have had to ship Ewoks out like it was the Romulan supernova. You know? Yeah, they literally, they, you know, they had to ship them all out. That's the only way to keep, the only way to save any of them. Yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, afterwards, we got Wilford Brimley and his grandkids on Endor. Yeah. <clears throat> Anyways.
know. It, it also it makes me uh, thinking about it that the, the 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 level of the difference or the parity of levels is the one that comes to mind lately is One Punch Man. If you guys have seen that, oh, yeah. I've heard about that. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, yeah. you have different levels of heroes. You have some heroes who have real no special abilities whatsoever. They're just ordinary people who like to do heroic things, and then you have all the way up to you know world destroying potential heroes who you know can punch through you know lead you know blocks you know and then you have our hero hero quote our hero (laughs) our hero hero our our main character our slacker hero slacker hero uh, one punch man who is the strongest of them all and doesn't care (laughs) right well, you know, I think someone explained it very well, which is is that his power level is two steps beyond whatever his opponent is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Basically, reality alters his his the force of his blow to be enough. His his, his special <laughs> ability is I'm the main character in a in a oh, parody. So, oh, so, oh, so plot immunity. Okay, yeah. Um, oh, absolutely. You know, yeah. there was. I mean, yeah. <laughs> in the at the end, of, I don't know, it was the first or the second one. I mean, you saw him basically just there's this huge battle where they're literally pounding each other all the way through from one end of a spaceship to another, and so on and so forth. And finally, at the end, you know, and the guy keeps in the in the main bad guy keeps saying, "Okay, now I'm not gonna, I'm you know, I'm taking this serious now." And and and, and the and the power level goes up, and the power level goes up, the power level goes up. And finally, at the end, he hits him, and the guy goes down, and he looks up at him, and he says, "You were still holding back, weren't you?" And and what and one punch man kind of shrugs his shoulders and turns around and walks away. Well, that's the thing about Superman is like he's a god. What can stop him? I mean, just yeah, a lot of people complain about that. Just yeah, this he is a god. Even after you know they rewrote him after Crisis. And just everyone's like Superman can do anything. It's like yeah, and his weakness is a great. Well, he doesn't have infinite power. It, uh, damn near, and it's so they they have to temper that with his adoptive parents taught him to restrain himself, blend in, and so it's very rare you see Superman cut loose in anything. And I think it was the one animated movie, Superman and the Elite, where he oh, just yeah. said he f yeah. this, I'm. And it's like they're they have you get a make... glimpse of what a a truly angry and not no holds barred Superman would look like. Well, yeah. Well, that that's one of the reasons why I I I whenever people ask me about the the concept between Superman and Batman, Superman can do things Batman couldn't. Batman would do things Superman would never do. So it's like lawful good and neutral good. Yes, yeah, Batman will break small laws to couldn't and then wouldn't. Yeah, yeah, but. Oh no! There was the one time. What was it? Was it Justice League Doom? And they and, and you know full well it was a rip on all the times you saw Superman move Earth to save it from something. And the Legion of Doom beam was coming through, and all this, and Superman, you know, Tim Daly and the late Gray, as I symbolically take off a hat and put in my chest to the late Gray Kevin Conroy. Well, I could move the Earth. I don't think I would have a week to tell you how much that wouldn't work. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, that was a shot back to those old comic scenes. Well played, DC. Yeah. And just that that's the thing about a role playing game like this is and you were talking, you guys were talking to each about 
oh, there's this game where you can play normals, and there's this game that you could play, you know, these, you know, jacked up, often made of human characters or monster characters, is that that's another thing about a universal system. You can't sit there and have them on the same field. Yeah, that was cute in the Avengers. You had two middling level heroes, two cosmic level heroes, and two street level heroes. And because of plot, they were all managed to work together. But you sit there and put Thor in a spy thriller, it's not going to work. You have Hawkeye or Black Widow try to do cosmic level stuff, it's not going to work. Spider-Man didn't do so well either. Well, yeah. And so you have, that's another thing I noticed about Universal Systems is that you can't, there's no real way to meter out, how am I going to have Nova Man who can, you know, recreate the heat of a main class star with the masked Avenger here who is a guy in Long John's. Well, the shadow. You're the shadow, yeah. You're, you, you have the street level heroes. And, and that's another thing with Universal Systems is that, yeah, you can make rules to play them, but you can't do it together. And this next one I'm going to bring up is going to hit Jonathan right in the heart. And I apologize, my friend. The whole... Mind's Eye Theater, Camarilla thing, where you vampires and werewolves are at different power levels. Yeah, they were all the same system, all the same universe. Oh, I've yeah. got a better example if you're going to go in that direction. Is, well, uh, I'm not, I'm not doing own, it to be a malicious prick. No, no, no. The, but yeah, no, I'm, yeah. my own LARP, um, Dark Confrontation, when it started yes. before, when and I was just a player in it, before we had taken over the company, um, the original concept was it was, you know, a convention within a convention. It was a convention oh, yeah. of... Those in the know about the the supernatural and paranormal world, all hanging out and meeting at Dragon Con, because where else could a werewolf, you know, let his you know fur hang out than at a convention where people will go, oh, that's a cute costume. Oh, like so, Farscape going back to 1985 and it's Halloween, so all the aliens fit in. Gotcha. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but in the original uh, few games, it was you had most people were ordinary humans. And you had a few, like, you know, one vampire, one werewolf, you know, a few critters thrown out there. Yeah. And then whatever the the plot-specific creatures were. Yeah. And over the years, it quickly escalated. Nobody wanted to play the normal humans before because they were getting stomped by the critters. Yes. And so by the time we came along and took over, we had to... Up the ante, we had to make sure that every human weren't just a, a normal human, but was some secret possessor of ultimate power of some yeah. form or fashion. And, you know, could stand toe-to-toe with a werewolf I or have, a vampire. I have magic and or sigh or a mutation or, yeah. yeah. And it it was fun. But I didn't need that when I, when I did my one, you know, the, the uh, one darkness game at that one convention, I just simply, after I went in and talked to everybody and, and took pictures of, or do, did drawings of everybody, I came out and told the GM, I said, look, all the where, all the vampires are in this one room, right? And he says, yes. He says, okay, well, I'm a Bureau 13 agent and I've got a, a vehicle with a six-missile missile pod on it. They're all going to target this about 15 seconds after I walk off this parking lot. <laughs> 
So you don't have to have super superpowers. You just have to get them all. Just have to, as I have always said, he says, if if I can get the drop on you, I can take almost anybody. And this was true in our game. Was you know, we, you could due to the especially due to the mechanics. If you could outnumber a person, you could take them on. If you could disadvantage them in some way, and there were items and and abilities put in the game specifically to do that, but. That was kind of the thing. It was it was a slow growth towards, especially under our our tenure, was to try and move people away from always wanting to play creatures and to try and move people. And combat was also just a horrible grind, worse than D and would even say. You get into a small little fi- uh, a fight with somebody. You were you were there for a good two hours. At yeah, best. yeah. So we we tried to push the game more away from combat and more towards interaction and social. Well, yeah, then that's, and, that's what most people think of when you do LARPing, you are acting out as these characters. It is dramatic. It is. It's like my one friend, Xander Generet, one half of the library bards, uh, the LA by night it's on YouTube and all that. And he plays a Malkavian. And then he ended up playing, I think a Grendel boxer in New York by night. And it's, they're sitting around a table. I don't think they're getting up and acting like they're fighting. It's all interaction. That's what nine out of ten people who know anything about LARPing, they think, oh, no, we're out in costume acting, dressing up goth, and, you know, we got fangs in, and, yeah, we're going to sit there yeah. and talk well, about it. Yeah. Depends on the version you're playing. If you're playing a Bofra LARP, it's all about the fighting. But, uh, yeah, if you're playing in the, in the salon-slash-parlor LARP, which what we had, yeah, the idea was to do it social interaction, but it kind of started off with you know the combat rules already in place and an expectation that there would be fights and it took it took years for that shift to slowly happen in our game and get away from the combats towards and it i mean and even then it what we discovered over the years was that no matter how much we tried to shift the game away from combat the the players the player base had de- of our game had developed this expectation of the final battle. Every game ends Sunday night with a final battle. And it was always the big fight that took four hours to adjudicate because every player was involved in it somehow. Yeah, yeah. And usually only lasted two turns. Yeah, but those two turns took four hours. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So whatever you did had to be big. Oh, we we had we've had Cthulhu, we've had the devil, it was various things. But but my 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 thing I was trying to get at with the the universal system, you know, oh yeah, everything is in the same universe in World of Darkness, and just the power levels are ridiculous. And I forget the metric; it was either if you had if you tried to do a vampire against a werewolf, a vampire would just turn a werewolf into free floating atoms. You had to have like six werewolves to be able to take on one back or something like that. I forget what it was. As I said, I'm, I'm not the world of darkness. I, you know, Jonathan, you're a resident expert on that. And I have plenty uh, of friends who are okay. Out of the I'm familiar with a little bit of the, I'm familiar with a little bit of the lore, but I've only played really t- a little bit of like vampire and wraith, but, but- yeah, to my, to my understanding, me, yeah. yeah, but <laughs> to my understanding, yeah, there, there was a vast power level difference between all the different games. Because yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if it was so much the vampire could be a werewolf, but I think it was, yeah, a werewolf had greater just pure physical combat ability, 
over a vampire, but if a vampire could get them unawares, then the vampire easily would win. But if you were playing a mage, it didn't matter. Both were going to be toast. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's just you couldn't have, you had to be all of one. You had to be all vampires or all werewolves or all mages or all hunters or all demons or all geists or all Prometheans. You had to be all the same. You could, despite it being all the same world and the same game and the same mechanics, you couldn't, I, it's like, I want to play a vampire. I want to play a mage. I want to play, and just, you know, the first person be done is the human, the hunter, because that's all they are is a human with a little bit of knowledge and some weapons. Oh, and well, then I, the, and then I all the rest that. of them are I, beating the crap out of each other. And we were playing dark ages vampire and I wanted to play a, a humor a human fresh from the crusades. And the intention to become a wraith because I wanted to play around with the wraith mechanics in a group of vampires. And the storyteller said, no, I'm just going to have a Malkavian adopt you. Oh, uh, okay. What? Uh-huh. So now you can actually do stuff amongst these group of vampires because there's a Malkavian who, you know, is watching out for you. We'll keep an eye on you. It's like <laughs> this human is mine under pretty you know, much. Like, he's he's it, my it, pet it, now. It, it's like the screen and the spire and Doctor Who where he just sends it to the lady under my protection. Yeah. But yeah, with, with universal systems, it's just that that was my thing is trying to have everybody balanced if you want to play different characters. And and as I said, I'm more than willing to sit there and have. Like in my Friday game, yeah, it's Hardwire Hairlands, but I went all out. We have. Carrie, who's playing an alien shapeshifter, and because of how she is with the rules, oh, tiny to large, all the animal types, and plus all, you know, already lived 400 years. I'm playing an RDF bio-maintenance engineer. Gina's playing basically a X-Men original time my timeline movie-verse mutant with shadow empathic powers and a sentient dog symbiotically linked. Fur's playing a hundred eyes for Marco Polo, played by Tom Wu. And then we got new one, Beth, playing a gnome from a sort of his Dark Materials universe. And I'm supposed to try to keep everything even using Pathfinder 1.0. And it it's it's not possible. It's a lot of times I'm throwing stuff at and Carrie's character is spanking them within the first round. And I've had people leave the group because of the high power levels that Carrie has. And I'm using yeah. OGL, which is about as universal you can get because you can do anything just given the right Again, folders upon folders. And um, just, yeah, and it just, it's you, having a power level balance, like I mentioned with the Avengers, you have the three different power levels. It's the only thing that they're able to do together is because of plot. And that reminds me of, um, like, the two um, main, quote, universal systems I've played, GURPS and the um, TriStat system from Guardians of Order. We're both oh yes point based systems. Everything oh. about your character you bought with points, and so depending if you wanted to play, you know, a certain level campaign, you were playing with seventy five points or a hundred points, and everybody you could play whatever you want, you, whatever you could have the points to buy. Oh no, that was the thing that I didn't like about Hero System was that. I'm sorry, you play Hero System. Yeah, they have Star Hero, Pulp Hero, Fantasy Hero. All these others. You play champions. You're not going to sit there and play a knight or a Starfleet officer. If you do, you're doing it under the champion's auspice where you're spending points for your phaser, your magic sword. It, it, they, all these other games, that stuff's already made and you just say you have it. Champions, you buy everything that you're going to use. 
and everybody's going to play champions because then they can make their tricorders, their phasers, their magic swords, their cloaks of invisibility, and you have obvious, accessible, and accessible focus and advantages with armor piercing. You're going to use that champions thing where you're going to use your points to buy and make your character as powerful as possible, whether it's gadget, psi, magic, mutation, whatever. Right, but it's not going to be a even comparison between characters because of that advantage-disadvantage system they have. Oh, and if you're good at math like Jerry Gentry is, oh no, after a while, we just said, Jerry, make our character and make this work. Because we tried doing it, and Jerry's characters would be overpowering every time. And I do remember my friend George, oh, you have an unfair advantage. I finally confronted George, and this was 25, 30 years ago. I don't know George. Jerry's good at math. This game favors mathematicians right but not but but get that aside okay that aspect of it of, of doing that because we talked about that in, in the superhero thing there are there there are a number th- there's two specific things that you can do that make that can super overpower your character without any trouble at all okay one is there is a obvious accessible focus that basically gives you like 20 points you know and when one of my players wanted to use it, I said, okay, just understand that if you use this, you're basically telling me, the GM, that I should spend the rest of the campaign trying to take it away from you. Because that's the point. Yeah. 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 Obvious, accessible. You know where the power comes from, and it can be taken from you. Yep. But up till then, he's going. this particular player was going to have an awesome character with, like, extra 20 points to put into stuff. Yeah. So the people who played like the normal way of creating a character, they're like a whole different power level down. Okay. Yeah. The second thing is the, um, uh, the number, uh, I don't know how, how it's termed, but it's the number of times you can do this. Okay. If you choose a power that you can only do like once a week. All right. Not, Every few minutes, I mean, but like once a week. Oh, yeah, the uses or charges. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The multiplier is sickening, okay? So, and it, and the cost is almost nothing. Uh, we were t- looking at this one guy's character, and he's like, he had like seven uber powers. And, the, and, and it was like half of what we were using. But he had these powers that are like a hundred dice and stuff like that, armor piercing, all that stuff. But you know, he said, "Yeah, but I can only do it once. So I'm going to be saving this for the big bad, and then I'm going to punch the hell out of it, and it'll be gone. But until then, I'm basically I got this pistol that I'm shooting people <laughs> up till then because, and you know, and a lot of players you have to you know basically go and say no, no, no. We want our characters to be somewhat on the same playing field." So, you know, your character is going to die if the rest of us aren't keeping you safe. Much like, um, uh, oh, um, just like uh, uh, Black Widow. Come on. Yeah. You know, Black Widow, she's, you know, she she can't take the kind of hit that, that Thor can take. Okay? Uh, but, you know, she, she's got these, like, sniper moves that she can pull off. Yeah. You know, and, and stuff. That's... That's great, but I'm just saying is, is that, you know, uh, but that those two things in particular, um, and there, and, and if you use the character designer 
uh, that uh, uh, w was originally sold with um, uh, Hero Maker, I think it was called. Uh, it was originally sold with uh, with Hero Games. They even had certain abilities. They say, talk to your GM because this will break his campaign if if you use it and see if he's okay with it. And um, one of them I, I let them use, and it broke my campaign. Yeah. And it was insubstantiability. Insubstantia yeah. Yeah. Because suddenly we had a character who was invisible, and nobody could hurt him. Until, well, yeah, that that's the whole thing, like, in a, you know, you have etherealness in, in OGL, and you have ghost touch armor and weapons. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it, it just, with Hero, yeah, that was the thing that if, that was my main thing. If you were good in math, you were going to make better characters. They put that in the damn Champions book about, okay, this is the guy that, they, they didn't do World's Lawyer. They said this. This is the guy that makes the characters. He's good with math, and he's going to make these type of characters. And that was the term that Hero Games used for that type of person who just knew how to do math and do, you know, how to pick the advantages that, yeah, I can do this, and it has all these advantages and limitations, and I'm going to wow everybody one shot, one kill, and yeah. And it just, again, another fault of a concept of universal system is that people who know the rules will know how to, and, and I love Carrie dearly. I've known this woman for 15 years, but I've had to up her, let's say she makes a ninth level character. Nope, I consider it a 14th level character because of the power level she uses with all the stuff she mixes. And there are times I've had to veto stuff where I just said, no, I'm not allowing this feat. I'm not allowing this particular thing because you now yeah. are a fifth level character and you have a plus 40 to acrobatics. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. When I'm when I was <sighs> at creating uh, campaigns for, for GURPS, it was very much, I had, I spent a lot of time just going through all the feat lists for every supplement I planned on using and saying, not going to use that. Yeah. Not yeah. Gonna that not going to yeah. allow that. Not going to allow that. Yep. That's out. That's not in that they can use, but I can only bump it up to this level. That's out. That's out. That's in. That's out. Cause yeah, if, if you just let them play, whatever is in the rule book. Yeah. They're going to find all those loopholes are going to find. They're all gonna, and also we have the one thing that we have not mentioned about universal systems and what they add. You can call them source books. You can call them world books, dimension books, manuals. Splat books is the term we mm -hmm. use. Yeah. <laughs> and just. That's they used in third edition. Yeah, yeah. And, oh, third edition was just sick with them. I'm looking at my damn bookshelf now, and I'm seeing a bunch of them on the white bookshelf holding my Bose stereo. Um, yeah, basically, and this is something that Z does. Now, Breakman Z, this will be Pixie's stepfather this Halloween. My dear friend, Brent Brunug, he's on my show. I've known him 15 years. His thing, he loves Rise of the Rune Lords, that original adventure path from Pathfinder. He flat out said, I don't want no archetypes. I don't want no ultimate nothing. We are running from the core rule book. That is it. Feats in the core rule book, the skills, the classes. That's it. He put his hammer down on that. And until life happened, he was running that path. And let's see, it was Oz and Perky Goth, Goth Bunny, him, walks with silent feet, our friend Kiki, and I want to say somebody else. Kiki is a fellow Dementite down in Georgia, uh, Statesville. Um, 
Yeah, and he just he set his foot down right off the bat. And I think it's because more he was a new GM and he just knew that some of the players would have access to some of the stuff I use, mainly because I may have given him a PDF or two. And Z just put it down not only to keep the game simple, but he was a new GM. This was his first time ever running anything. So he just put that, made that decree. Boom, core rule book, that's it. Don't give me no splat. Don't give me no stuff off the side. I'm going to adjudicate if you find something on the SRD, but only stuff out of the core rule book. And it worked. It was just life that screwed over that campaign. People had to work or people had to drop out because of something. It just, yeah. And he just set that rule down. If you're going to use the universal system or, okay, I think at this point, something we deem as a universal system, something that is regarded as GURPS, whatever, you have to, as a GM, adjudicate hard limits in order to avoid this power disparity. We will use that term. Well, it's you have to do the same work. I, f- I feel you have to do the same work paring down the options that, again, like, like say, Cortex Prime does. It gives you a bunch of options. You have to figure out which ones you want to use. At least with Cortex, they're kind of upfront about that. They're saying, hey, look, you can't run the game just as is. Here's all the options you can pick from. Pick the ones that fit your campaign. GURPS, they kind of said that, but it was not blasted in your face so much. Uh, and I think same about the same for uh, the Guardians of Order and the Big Eye Small Mouth. It was, yeah, here's a you know here's all the options you can have. We advise you to just pick the ones that fit your campaign, and not let players pick from the others. But some GMs, you know, especially if they're they've got particularly charismatic or excited players, you know, the players will come up and go, I want to play this, but you're not letting this feet. Can I just go ahead and use it for this one character? It'd be really cool. And the GM goes, Oh yeah, sure. Why not? And then boom, there they go. Oh no, that is something with me and miss Moyer. I have had to ban feats. I'll use, and here's the thing. And Carrie kind of figured it's a good thing. None of my players listen to my podcast here. You know, the stuff I do and say, I'll mention them and they don't know unless I tell them. Yeah. I talked about you in the podcast. I've had to use feats in one campaign. I'll still use them in other campaigns, but it's because certain players I know that will abuse them, use them. And I'm just like, okay, I'll use these two feats, which give you bonuses to skills based on how high your int modifier is. But I know it's because they won't be abused. Unlike, you know, there, there was one book. And again, I think I mentioned this years ago and it's for OGL. It was the early days, three Oh, Steve Kenson, the guy who works for Green Ronin, wonderful. He, he, he's the mutants and masterminds guy. That's pretty much his game. It was called the Psychic's Handbook. Yeah, your powers, any side power, they didn't do the stuff like Dream Scarred Press's stuff. It was all of your powers are skill-based. So if you have telekinesis, that's a skill. Telepathy, that's a skill. Teleportation's a skill. Psychometry's a skill. Then you had Carrie adding the feats that give bonuses to skills based on your it mod and these are two feats from aeg's feats book okay you are fifth level and you can lift a ton with your telekinesis okay i see you have these feats yeah for i had the running joke that steve and again mr kenson if you ever happen to listen to this i'm not i'm not insulting you or your work at all yeah that that particular book broke the campaign i do not use it i'm surprised i still have it on my computer that i just not delete it out of spite because of just how it was horribly abusing the campaign no it 
was carried. Just using that. So that's another thing with the universal system. You have to, because your your players may know the rules better than you for some reason. And that that's another thing with it is just, yeah, you got you have to adjudicate that, and that's why you got to put the hard limits of what can and can't be used in a universal system. And I just, yeah, it, it uh, yeah. Yeah, so in uh, we started a new uh, uh, D&D 5e uh, campaign last Sunday. And okay. uh, before that started, uh, you know, we had some discussions about things we wanted and didn't want, and I was pushing really, really hard for stuff that was, I consider to be core D&D that hasn't been in the GM's uh, campaigns up till now. Okay, just some basic stuff that never seems to happen, and I really think that it should be happening. Uh, and then we got to the part of creating characters, and he, he said, what do you think about that? And I said, I think we should just do core rulebook, no, no, no other books, just what's in the core rulebook. Yeah. And everybody goes, no, no, we can't do that. I mean, other people have already bought the books, or that's not fair, and blah, blah, blah. And I said, okay, fine. Okay, I was perfectly willing to play, you know, a, a you know a core character, you know, with the limitations that are in the core rulebook. So instead, I'm playing an artificer. Oh, and I'm using the optional rules that allow me to have gunpowder weapons. <laughs> okay, <laughs> and I convinced the GM to let me have two of them. So that I can fire one with one hand, and on the other hand, I can do, you know, the uh, 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 as, as my bonus action, I can fire a second one with, you know, uh, a, a slight lowering of, of my ability to hit with it. Right? Okay. So, and these two D10, uh, which is in line with the normal cantrip damage that people are doing. Okay. And okay. the thing is, is that you know, because these are. Uh, both weapons have the load characteristic. I'm supposed to be using an action to reload it. So the first round, I mean, first level, the first round, bang, bang, put away one of the guns. The next round, reload the gun, fire, reload the gun, fire, reload the gun, fire, so forth, right? I'm an artificer. At second level... I get repeating, which means that any item that that thing is applied to, if it doesn't have any ammo, it magically produces the ammo. <laughs> so at second level, I'm going to be bang, 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 bang until the end of the combat. Yep. And I never have to buy... He's, he's talking about how it's going to be really expensive to replace the bullets of these guns. I'm never going to have to replace bullets ever again. Yeah, you have magically reloading <laughs> guns, Sam. Magic reloading guns. Yeah. The only thing you have to worry about is an anti-magic field or someone taking your guns. Those are the two ways you can be stopped. Well, it doesn't Well, it doesn't say that the bullets... Well, I guess, I guess the bullets are magical under those circumstances. But Well, I mean, they could be normal bullets. It, is it... It mostly, from what I'm understanding, it's the gun that just magic. So it's the gun that is magic. No, the gun is not magic. The gun is just simply being made magical or, 
giving it a magical property that it didn't otherwise have. As a matter of fact, I think they're very clear about the fact that these things that you're giving to them can't be magical. So you have to give this to like a regular sword and make it a magic, and therefore make it a magic sword. But anyways, the point is, is that. So now I'm I'm basically you know I I I'm 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 a a gnome who's channeling you know the man with no name and the good the bad and the ugly. This is I even started talking about how I had this striped tabard outfit and this really big hat with a big wide brim on it <laughs> with a cigar. <laughs> nobody got it. Absolutely nobody got it. And I wow. Yeah, I'm like I even whistled the. Uh, the, the the tune and nobody got it. I'm like, yep, oh man, yep, you, yep, yep. you know, uh, we're playing with relative. I mean, uh, some of the players are relatively young, <laughs> but still, I'm like, well, that's the thing. Yeah, well, Bruce, let's face it. You and I have gotten to the age of a lot of where more and more of our jokes are not being gotten just because of the company we're keeping. Yeah. Well, I told yeah. myself years ago, you're not funny. Don't tell jokes. <laughs> <laughs> and you still haven't listened. Wow. <laughs> but anyways, I'm saying, but see, this is what happens when, you know, you don't stick to the core rule books, okay? Every edition of D&D has been like this, where you start off with the core rule books, everything is kind of balanced, and then they start adding in stuff, and before you know it, the GM can't keep up. I never could key up, keep up as a GM. Originally, I knew the core rule books. That was it. That was all I had to know. There were no other rules. We had, you know, the DMG... We had the player's handbook. We had this one other book, plus, of course, a zillion monster manuals. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. <coughs> and we, we had our own customized character classes and things like that, sure. But those are yeah. things that we wanted to play, and we brought it in as on a, on a per-whatever basis. Okay. So, uh, but I'm just saying is that we never had this incredible, you know, like when Second Edition came in, they had all the specialization books. Okay. Yeah, all the handbooks. Right, and that just opened the floodgates because the third edition came out, and as you said, there was like 30 splat books. And I don't even know what happened with fourth edition. And then you had everybody putting out their own rules. Yeah, I... I, I just... I bought the core rule book for that, and that was it. I never bothered any more than that. But in fifth edition, of course, now we've got like five other books and you know especially i mean if your gm's not paying attention you're bringing this stuff in from um uh from the sword coast even if you're not in that world <laughs> you know, yeah and all these other things you know so yeah so we uh and like i said so we got my guy who's uh basically a gnome with you know repeating pistols i i really wanted him to to let me do the uh more modern handguns because a they do more damage but also because then they they got automatic weapon fires <laughs> and two machine pistols where you can do like spray and spray and pray yeah 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 that would have been great i would have loved that but no uh i don't know still the fact that you've got at the most the biggest distance weapon is maybe you know a longbow or a crossbow and you're sitting there with magically reloading uh revolvers or are they well revolvers are flintlocks it doesn't matter they're magically is it no it's a flintlock yeah it's not a revolver that that would have to that's a modern weapon so yeah you've got magically re it was two guys came up with a and it was like a the moss scale i think it was m-a-a-s and i may have mentioned this before where they determined that 
a firearm is a thousand times more deadly than a long sword. As I said, it's called the Moscow M. I think it's either Mass or M A A S. But yeah, so you're there with people with swords and crossbows and bows and maces, and then you're coming in with magically reloading flintlocks. Yeah, it just at the most distance might be a problem. You might get hit from farther away by a a longbowman. But yeah, still they still have to stop and re-knock an arrow. All you have to do is pull a trigger. Yeah, but but guess what I do? Okay, uh, my my solution to that problem is is that I go bang bang and I drop prone. Now if they try to shoot me, they're taking disadvantage on all of their shots. Next round, I stand back up using half my movement. Bang bang. <laughs> I mean, I uh, because apparently shooting from prone, I have disadvantage. Yeah. Which I think is kind of stupid, but okay, fine. You know, I'll, I'll live with that. All right, well, let's let's roll roll this up here. Uh, let's go back and so you know, though there's been many attempts at creating a universal game system, I think we've shown pretty clearly that it is impossible to actually have a universal game system. Though you certainly can have a game system that has many genres of games connected to it and some of them work very well together and certainly game worlds you know many different game worlds can work together with a simple game system but these are the main issues that you know that keep you from having a universal game system which allows any character from any game to be played together with any other character, okay? And the first one is, even if the system is shared, you can't play all the characters together with all games due to the power level disparity. That's the number one issue there. Secondly, is, is that if you're trying to maintain a particular tone, okay, the game system may not support it. As a matter of fact, it almost certainly doesn't support it without there being some overriding, some trumping mechanism that allows you to do it. Like like I say, like drama cards. So basically, you play the card, and this is what happens. And it doesn't matter what about... You basically, you, you usurp the whole position of the game system so you can get this, this piece of drama to occur the way you want it to. Okay? So that's the, that's the second major reason. Uh, third reason is the fact that... All these different games um, are are you know are singular or whatever because they're all IPs that belong to other companies and they just don't and they don't want them to play well with each other, you know and, and they're they're basically actively working against this this ideal of creating a universal game system. So they're they're, they're no matter what you do, they're going to somehow get in your way. Yeah, if you're trying to do Justice League with MIB, that's not going to work out yet. Well, you know, it is not like they, they're they not legally trying to stop you. It's just the fact is that they're, when they design, they each design their own games, they intentionally make their game mechanics, the pieces of them, not work with somebody else's mechanic for that very same thing because they don't want them to be considered to be the same property. So that's the third major reason. Is there um, is there a fourth? Uh, trying to recall here. I think um, I think also just the practicality. I mean, like I said close to the start of this, is like theoretically you could 
make a universal system that that handles everything well that when you add new splat books or settings you've made sure that they fit everything else you well and they're power balanced perfectly the problem is just pure practicality the amount of time it will take you to do that you would never release the game <laughs> well i think my number two point basically goes against what you just said jonathan the fact the tone is going to be different depending upon you know, game systems. Are a lot of times are developed for the sole purpose of tone. And that's the thing. I think I, I, and I, this is again. I think it's theoretically possible to create a a generic universal system that allows for any tone, and then you have to, again, that's where you use the setting supplements to to add the tone you want. Yeah. To mix and match the tone you want, but again, I think that will require so much work in order to make sure that every tone that you add fit can work with the other mechanics perfectly is I, again, I think it's where it's just the time involved to make sure it all balances out is beyond what any small studio could do or any big studio. I think it's not without forking over a lot of money and time. Yeah, well, definitely, you know, I mean, the, the universe is always more complicated than your game system is going to be. Exactly, and I think... I mean, there's, you know, I, I've tried to create the idea of verisimilitude, but, you know, verisimilitude means it seems like it's realistic. Not that it is realistic, because, you know, I've read lots of books on on how things are actually supposed to be. And every time I come up with a mechanic or they present a mechanic, it's like, okay, but it doesn't work for everything else. Okay, I do like the idea of combined mechanics where you can do it. I think that what Millennia's Edge did was a, was a good idea where, um, you know, you, you, you have a, a particular, uh, you roll your dice and basically, it tells you based upon what you, you know what your weapon is and and how far away the target is, you know what range of dice you have to roll to actually get your bullet or whatever where you want it to be. Otherwise, it misses them or hits another body part or it does something like that. And I mean, I, th I thought it was a a great effort, but you know, you ended up, you know, I think you ended up with a clear piece of of acetate that you were sliding around. <laughs> You know this 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 character like out of uh, a hero. You know, posing in a prone position, posing in a in a stand up position or something like that to try to go and say, where did I actually hit this guy? So you know, but yeah, I, I like you know where where they can do that, where it does actually still support because it makes the game faster. And anything that can make the game faster, I think, is is getting closer to a a a, a, a unified universal system. Because in the real world, right, it time waits for no man, right? You, a hundred people fire a bullet, the bullets all hit within a second. It doesn't take ten, and it doesn't take you know five minutes to resolve whether the bullet hit or not. It just does, you know. So. I had once hoped that maybe that someone was going to come out with a computerized, you know, universal system that would handle all those things lightning fast in the background, but it's never happened for all the other reasons we just mentioned. 
But, uh, but I am definitely in favor of using any kind of computerized um, uh, aid that will actually make a positive difference. But yeah. I, and I think at the end of the day, I think we won't see a truly good universal system until we see a, what Hasbro wanted to do is create a, a purely automated game system. At which point we're talking about a video game. We're talking about VR or, or AR or. Yeah. 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 AR. Oh, augmented reality. Yeah. Well, a lot of people thought World of Warcraft was going to be that thing. The, you know, the the problem is, is that, and you know, unless you have, you know, half a million people willing to play a game system, you can't afford to build that game system. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Before you put the money into it, you have to make sure you have the 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 desire, the demand for it. Yeah. Yeah, but we've yeah. all seen animes about people playing you know, deep dive universal game systems and how, you know, they, they're all, they all look so awesome, you know, and, uh, but in reality, it's some poor schlub, you know, sitting there hunched over a keyboard fingers dancing across the keys that they've memorized. Like, uh, was it the Sega where you, you were playing, uh, you had like up, down, up, down, right, left, one, two, three, to give the, to give that maximum bonus. Up, down, up, down, left, right, left, right, B, A, select, start. You're probably, that's probably it right there. Shout out to my friend Brian Gropner of the Goth Sickles for his song Konami Code. That's how I remember that. That's right. All right, yeah. Um, but no, it, it's, yeah, just, I, I think we have assessed with the two hours that we are approaching that a true universal system, there have been Many, 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 many great attempts. And nine times out of ten, they will serve the purpose you have. But there is no perfect universal system. Yeah. A, a system that delivers on the game you actually want to play is what you should always try to do more than try to come up with some universal system because it just it just ain't going to happen even in our lifetime i don't think without yeah. you know i mean we got like what 100 billionaires and not one of them is uh, creating the universal game system either yeah i know come on guys step up they could afford it they could do it yeah no nope. so too bad so sad anyways we'll have more for you a uh, more nerdy uh, you know, grognard type moments. You know, <laughs> I'm not calling us neck beers because I, I find that offensive. But uh, <laughs> anyways, we will have more more uh, uh, topics that uh, delve into the soft underbelly of gaming, uh, and we may even talk about uh, our favorite actors who 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 have come out and actually said, "Hey, I actually play this game." You know, but you'll have to wait until next week. So, until then. This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there. So go explore them. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Gaming on the Frontier podcast is wholly owned by its hosts. It is released under the Creative Commons 3.0 license. No commercial reproduction and any use of any element of the podcast must be attributed to the Gaming on the Frontier podcast.
Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org colon 8027.